If you want to participate, contact me at ordinarywomenpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure you have great projects to brag about. You can also follow me and message me on Instagram at ordinarywomenpodcast, on Twitter at ordinarywomenpc, or on Facebook on the page Ordinary Women. Hi everyone, welcome to Ordinary Women, and today I'm with Yael. Hi Yael! Hello everyone, thank you Lucy for having me in your podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming, such a pleasure to have you. I was on site already, so... <laughs> the first time being flatmates that we can record this in pyjamas. <laughs> How are you? How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah? Yeah, and you? Yeah, very good too. Very yes. excited to Stay. hear what you have to say. Can you start by giving a quick presentation of yourself? My name is Yael. I'm living in London. I'm 26 years old. I'm coming from south of France. Yeah. And can you tell us something unusual about you? I don't know if it's unusual. I sleep sing. <laughs> <laughs> This is unusual. Okay, cool. I'm sorry, what? How do I, your flatmate, not know that you sleep sing? I sleep sing. I knew that you were a sleepwalker, yeah. but you sing as well. Yeah, but it's not like proper sing, like uh, when I'm awake and I sing. It's more like a sleeper, some something who's sleeping and singing. So it's kind of creepy, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like horror, horror movie uh, sleep, singing, you know. I'm so happy I never heard you do yeah, that. Yeah, it's super creepy. Yeah. It's just like, uh, you know, like uh, <laughs> creep, creepy stuff, like uh, in... I don't know, in the like night, in movie, everyone's sleeping and you can hear like, like a Oh my view. god. No, not nice. That's definitely unusual. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for sharing this. <laughs> Since here we talk a lot about being a woman and women in general, was there a time that you realized you are a woman? Oh yeah, but that was not nice. I think I was like eight or nine, something like this. And I was in a mall with my mother and my siblings. And uh, we were having tea and coffee. And then we were about to leave. And my mom got into a fight with an old man. Because apparently he was uh, looking at my uh, parts. And, What uh, the yeah, And I never forget. I don't know, but that I think that's really the first time I realized that I actually had the bum and I had like a, oh. uh, yeah, some features, like women features, and I was a woman. So they, yeah. Ew. That's the first time I realized I was a woman. I was like, oh, so what's going on? So yeah. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to hear that. No, like, it's that's fine. disgusting. It's disgusting, yeah. It's and she got into ugh. a fight and she nearly slapped him in the face. Go your mom. <laughs> gross. No. So gross. Mm-mm. Okay, and since you're an adult now, do you have better experiences of being a woman? I'd say I feel like we are a community, so sharing experiences, having friends. Like I feel more close to women. And I think that's how I feel like I'm a woman because we understand each other, especially lately. We can discuss more openly, more freely together and about us. Yeah, I feel like I'm lucky and I'm a woman. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. So nice. Yeah. And when growing up, did you have any female role model? Yes, uh, to be honest, Lucy, that was a question I was thinking about and 
The fact that it was difficult for me to find a female role model made me think about this whole podcast purpose because I only thought about male role models. Oh. It was difficult for me, but I found one. And it was my piano teacher. She was my role model, I think, when I was a child growing up. I've met piano lessons for like seven years. So for seven years, she was my piano teacher. Other than her, it was only male models that I found. I was like, what? Can't find a woman role model now. Let's fake this. Bad teacher. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And what do you think she taught you? Uh, first of all, piano. Yeah. And For a piano teacher, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And she was super like, um, I don't know, it was just making me feel so calm and relieved to spend time with her. She taught me about how to speak slowly and explain calmly what's how you think. Focusing because learning piano is super hard and I was super young. So yeah, I had to stay motivated and she kept me motivated She was super calm super kind kindness definitely and I remember she was smelling so good lots of things yeah. That's so nice Christine. Um, Big up Christine. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being an inspiration Christine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and who would you say today are your female role models? I would say my sisters, Deborah and Sari. One is 29 and the other one is 19. We are three sisters and we are just so different. So I feel like we complete each other in the way that I think we all three learn from each other and have stuff to like share with each other all the time, every day, every hour. So my blood sisters and my heart sisters. So my best friends, really. I tend to find inspiration in any woman that I meet, really. There's always something that you're gonna think, okay, so this is something that I really appreciate, I really like, and I want to learn from this. So there's always something to pick up from any woman that you meet, really. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's always very interesting whenever you're meeting someone yeah. to just learn from whatever you can from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we always have to learn from literally anyone. Yeah, never stop learning. And what do you think, so you mentioned in particular your sisters and your best friends, what do you think they teach you? My sister, so my big sister, I think she can teach me on how to be more on earth, like more calm, having more aspirations. She's very calm, very ambitious and the fact that she's very nervous as well has taught me a lot on how to handle people and how to help people feeling more the present time rather than stressing out something that doesn't exist yet the future and she's kind of really anxious about what's gonna happen so it has helped me a lot helping her also her personality she's just really funny she's so funny i think she is one of the funniest person if she's not the one i've had to meet and my little sister sari i think it's because we have a almost 10 years difference she's so young so she's up to anything she was saying okay i'd like to move out from france and a month later she was moving from france to barcelona in spain Uh, so she's just a go girl she's doing what she's saying and i think this is really something that i appreciate from her and uh, i try to get inspiration yeah she's a doer Ah, that's so cool. Yeah, she's so cool. She's really funny as well. Nice. So many different inspirations. Mm. That's so great. Yeah. And would you say, well, especially since you say that you struggle quite a lot to find a female role model when you were a child, do you think it had an impact on you, the lack of representation of women in society? 
Definitely, yeah. I think like most of us, for me, was the representation of the body and how we mostly used to see on the TV, the magazine, what we had at that time because we didn't have anything like laptops or phones and Instagram and stuff. So what we had to see was kind of normalized already, super normalized. So for me, I really felt that it impacted me because I, I still remember looking at myself in a full body mirror and thinking, oh, if I could just take a magic so and just cut myself there there here and until a certain age i don't know for you but when you come from a family where um people are not practicing any exercise or anything you don't know that you can actually change your body without having to cut your body or put like uh, you know this pants that here compressing all your organs and so yeah for me it was really uh, the representation i had from my body yeah i definitely wanted to cut it but actually there's no need to cut it girls you can just make sure you're drinking enough water stay hydrated try to walk and exercise but yeah growing up as a teenager and for a long period i was just wishing i could cut and i was dreaming of it i was thinking literally every day why my knees are not looking like hers you know and she was she was a photo on a piece of paper it influenced me like for so many years so you know it's always this but then it impacted the way i was dressing as a teenager so it was like mostly dressed up to hide what doesn't look like what you think it should look like yeah, definitely. And at that time, I think both because we were young, but also because it was less of a subject in society in general, oh, yeah. that we were not conscious that most of these photos were photoshopped mm -hmm. and that most of these models had quite severe anorexia oh, yeah. and like were very encouraged to basically not eating. Which now, even if it's still not great, there have been some regulations. I don't know how it is in the UK, to be honest, but like in France, you have have to be a certain weight like you can't go under a certain weight or something like that and more and more models are talking about that which is so great mm -hmm. but yeah and photoshop which we did not like no, well we i don't know about know. you but i didn't even know no, it was a no, thing no. no like this skin you know this close-up to skins that look just perfect like just doesn't look like a skin yeah looks like plastic yeah and i think before the regulations what has helped might be also instagram because there's good and bad in instagram but i think instagram has given a lot of visibility to everyone who wish to be more visible basically and it has helped a lot to diversify you know the representation you have about women bodies so i'm conscious that it's like kind of helped to damage this generation but it's also helping develop this generation when i think how i was feeling as a teenager back then it's just so sad it's just so sad you know to spend years of your life trying to hide because you think that you are deformed or your knees are too fat or you know yeah like, like stupid things but yeah the unreal skin the unreal bodies like the, the length of your legs um yeah really yeah. felt that well I, I know we all did definitely like i'm talking with so many women who mm. felt or for some still feel unfortunately yeah. the same which is so sad as sad, you said sad. and from the from the 90s we are from the 90s yeah. but i try to think sometimes these women who were born after 2000 because they were born literally with instagram we were born with emerson <laughs> yes and, um, oh my god yes <laughs> yeah, emerson, and myspace, MySpace. <laughs> 
things like this so mm. i try to think sometimes being born in instagram generation how do you feel because you have access to so many things but when it comes to body representation as a woman you have so much to see you have all this you know this new standard of the hot body you know like big boobs small waist and big, mm. big ass you have all this which is for most of the women on instagram touched up yep. either on the body itself or on the photos but as well you have all this freedom of visibility representation freedom of speech all these women who started to open up about their body and all the movement body positivity all this new culture so yeah sometimes i try to think but when i see my little sister and as well she was born in 2003 <sighs> i see her and i see her friends and i think honestly that it's kind of positive the impact of visibility has a bigger impact i think on most women i don't know i'm not sure I'm not a specialist but i think this is quite good with their bads but with their goods yeah as for everything i guess yeah. but yeah i really hope that it's, they will do better <laughs> it's evolving i think it's getting better it's just that we think of the worst because it's getting worse also in the bad but in the good it's also getting i don't know which one is going faster but i think we are evolving anyway so that's the essential yeah. Yeah, and even, I don't know about you, but I feel that the difference between the generation of my grandma, generation of my mom and me, my grandma and my mm. mom are definitely, like, so, almost oh, products, but, yeah, broken by diet culture. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if it's just, like, my bubble, my friends, who are trying to deconstruct that, but I really feel that we're getting better at just oh, yeah. being human, like... Being us, yeah. simply. Being alive and, like, changing. changing the standards, yeah. mm, because they're really a standout actually yeah so yeah that is constructing but yes and i think we are the product of this as well we're not going to be the same moms as our moms were with us so i believe in us yes nice well we talked a lot about other people now you know what time it is it's time to talk about you oh yeah Okay. So what's the project you want to talk about today? Okay, yes, the project I decided to talk about is the time back in 2016 when with my sister, so Deborah, my big sister, we decided to move from south of France to London. First time going out from the country for me. First time taking a plane, moving out from my parents' house. Yeah, that, that's the project I'd like to talk to you about today. Cool. So how did it start? What decided you to move? So it started because I finished my studies. I found a part-time jobs in Montpellier, but then I decided to... I think it was more economical. So I was studying in Montpellier, but I had to go back to my mom's house because it was just part-time job, so I couldn't keep my flat. And at that time, my sister was living in Australia, she came back in France. So we were back in the nest and we just wanted to go somewhere. We didn't really want to stay where we were. We didn't really want to go a few kilometers away. We wanted like a proper change. We wanted to see something different. We wanted to discover a different culture. And because coming from the south of France, growing up in like the warmest place, like the most nice summery place, six months a year, we wanted to experience cold weather. So London. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> Why though? But okay. <laughs> yeah. 
because you know when you I understand people going there for holidays because it's just like so beautiful everything is so nice the food everything but when you've been growing up it, your habit is your daily routine so if you want to try something else then I guess you gotta go to the opposite so the cold side and London because I don't know south of France is quite difficult to meet open-minded people we wanted to discover a new culture and also be in a city where we can discover our own styles who we are really and not like who our uh, village wants us to be <laughs> so yeah london cold weather multicultural open-minded far enough <laughs> but not so far then <laughs> nice and have you found what you were looking for oh definitely Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely, because I think that my sister and I, we both fell in love with the city. We were both living there for a little less than a year. Then we had to go back to South of France. Once again, economical. London is super expensive. And there's just, you know, this thing where you're going to lose your job and the rent is so fucking expensive. And you just need a month to be broke and not be able to see further than another month. <laughs> so, yeah, we left. So we fell in love with the city, but we left. So that's a bit sad. So we stayed in France a year. I found a job. She found a job in Paris. And the call for London was just so loud that we just went back. She went back after a year. And I went back after two years. Now living in London, it's going to be... Oh, In a few days, it's going to be two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I moved uh, back again to London. And Deborah is going to be four years. We love London. Nice. Yeah. And how long was there between the time you decided to go to London and actually flew to London? A month. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't a month because she went back from Australia and we were sharing a bedroom. It was so difficult because the bedroom was so small. So there was this urge of going somewhere else. So um, she entered the room and she was like, I'm going to move to London. And I was like, I'm coming with you. <laughs> so it was at the end of August and then 3rd of October we flew to London I think we had about 30 kilos of luggage we, oh, it was definitely something but yeah a month more or less nice. do you think one of the reasons she wanted to get away was because of your sing sleeping sleep singing no <laughs> no because we kept on sleeping together for a little while after. yeah <laughs> No, no, no. How did it go when you arrived in London? It was amazing. We first got uh, fish and chips. Oh, nice. So it was kind of cool. And so we had to start from uh, zero start. So we went to hostels, two different hostels for a month and a half. We lived there. First room was a sharing room with 16 beds. Wow, uh, quite intense. <laughs> yes, uh, second hostel was a room with 12 beds still. And then we went back. Uh, last room was a room with 10 beds. Okay. Okay, and uh, that was okay. That was new. So that was kind of interesting, challenging also. It was quite hard for sometimes. We really loved it because when we arrived, we took a bus. We came out of the bus near Hyde Park and we had to cross all of Hyde Park to go to the first hostel. So yeah, I mean, first arrival in the country, in the in this city, you have to cross Hyde Park. How do you don't want to fall in love with it? 
High baggage was amazing. So, yeah. yeah, when I arrived at first to Whitechapel, it's not as exciting at High Park, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still hurt, so. Yeah. No, but High Park is very exciting. It's not that Whitechapel is anything less old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just that High Park is something different. It's such a big part of London. Yeah. It's such a. Um, Famous and. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, love it. Like, that's so it. cool yeah. Mm, yeah and so then then what happened so you were in a hostel did you know anyone when coming to london no we didn't know anyone we were just both together best partners mm-hmm. we took the first week to like do some tourist things and we were sharing the room with so first room 16 people and we had the opportunity to sleep next to two sisters as well but they were like 30 years older than us so it was literally us <laughs> they were much older than us and they were like doing tourist stuff as well and they bought this london bus tour ticket the bus without a ceiling yes. so you can actually go on the roof and visit the whole city and they bought this ticket and when you buy one ticket for this tour it's valid for 48 hours they will stay in london for less than that so they offered us the tickets so, so nice oh yeah so first week was definitely like seeing a bit around uh, doing this tour bus discovering a bit the parts of london because it is literally going everywhere in london and then we wanted to find a job so we started to print out cvs and we did some trials and stuff mm. like that then we both find a full-time job and yeah that was started yeah nice and had you planned everything before coming like had you planned about finding a good job how much had you planned how much had you not planned the plan was just no plan Mm -hmm. so it's quite cool when the plan is no plan because it's plenty of plans actually (laughs) so i had a thousand euros at that time so back then it was something about um, 800 uh, pounds so that was the plan (laughs) save money to go and the plan was just learning english Mm -hmm. get to meet new people try new food new cultures and because london is so multicultural it's also a way you know to see what the world looks like and yeah the plan was no plan cool yeah that worked well (laughs) nice and did anyone has an important impact on making this happen? On wanting to go to london on wanting to stay wanting to go back etc yeah, I think myself. Yeah? Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 22. Mm-hmm. I never left the country before, so uh, I think I had this willingness. I was keen to change. I was keen to go how I was outside of my comfort zone, outside of my family. Because having four siblings is like you grow up in a team. That's your team, you know? And you don't leave the team. But it was just a need to see what was outside the team. Yeah, I think myself, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it was so challenging. I felt so brave, felt so empowered. I was like, I'm gonna discover the world, I'm gonna work, open a bank account in a foreign country, get my phone SIM card in another country, like rent a room, see, have my life and see what's going, what happens. And if I didn't have this economical reason to go back to France, I would have been in London since 2016. I didn't want to go, but yeah. So what makes you proud of it? Well, I guess you kind of talked about that already, but yeah, what what makes you very proud of yourself? Because it was the first time traveling, how I enjoyed it and how we helped each other with my sister to, I don't know, just, you know, supporting each other. 
uh, finding a job, finding a balance between being together, spending all the time together because uh, obviously there's some comfort being with your sister somewhere like this, away from your hometown and stuff. Yeah, I was really proud actually of just moving out from my parents and moving to a different country, different... Oh, everything was different. And yeah, the way I was able to take care of myself. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. So many reasons to be proud of yourself. Yeah. So cool and very inspiring to hear. And uh, were there any challenges that you faced? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think first of all, sharing a room with 16 people. <laughs> yep. Especially when you leave to get more space. <laughs> yeah, so. But um, it was very challenging, definitely. The cold. <laughs> um, very challenging. Because yeah. I was expecting this cold, this weather. I kind of only took like stuff to dress up as if I was going in like an eternal winter. <laughs> so I didn't have any like uh, short sleeve shirts. I didn't have any anything like mid weather like um, you know. Yeah, like welcome to the tea kind <laughs> yeah, of situation. Yeah, no, 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 it was really like I'm going there. It's gonna be cold from January uh, to uh, December. It's, it's gonna be like this. So. Um, we were surprised to see some sun, some nice weather, so we were like, mm, well, we're cute now with the only fleece, long sleeves, like big, big socks, big shoes, big pants and stuff, big coats, jumpers. So yeah, that was nice, but challenging, yeah, sharing rooms with uh, strangers, trying to keep your belongings safe, <laughs> keep yourself safe, because girls right. in a room of 10... So the last room we had, there was this guy who tried to climb in my bed one night. He was completely drunk. So th this was the last room. So before we took a, a room for ourselves, uh, we rented a room in Leighton. First room when we arrived, I also had this uh, experience where I was like casual evening in my room of 16 people, but still in my room. And people started to have sex. Uh, like lights on and stuff in a bed in the room so it's like mm, well uh, that's cool I love love and stuff but I respect uh, you know yeah. like sex like safe sex intimacy you know these things no mm. okay so yeah I freaked out so definitely challenging to share your intimacy like bed intimacy with strangers your belongings yeah this pressure of finding your own space having enough to be able to pay a deposit on time try to avoid the scams and stuff that are just all around them <laughs> oh my God, I yeah so challenging and was there something on the contrary that you thought was easier than you expected or that was very easy Actually, meeting new people, having uh, learning English and having to meet new people. So I had this technique when I was going anywhere by myself and I was challenging myself not to use my maps. Right. And uh, that was so helpful to meet friends, have plans, you know, like, oh yeah, I know a place that is looking for a waitress or anything. And just developing learning English was easier than what I thought. So at the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, I speak English, I'm going to move to London. London. Mm, no. So you see, you can, I was actually speaking English, but I was not handling the mm. conversation or handling explanation or just expressing yourself 
in a manner where you can be understood by Londoners and uh, the accent, the local accent, it just, I love the local accent, but I think <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite difficult. And I think in French school, we are learning American English. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think this is American English. From what I remember, it's American. Yeah. So, yeah, the accent, definitely. But, you know, so you arrive, you have this lapse where your brain is just freezing at a certain time of the afternoon. It's just like you had enough. So your brain can't even speak your mother tongue, nothing. And then when you pass this lapse, you start being more fluent, you start having conversation, you start meeting people where you can discuss ideas, projects, stuff more freely in another language. That's what really was interesting. And I think that was, I mean, first of all, that was the main reason why I moved. I wanted to learn English. Nice. Mm. And I'm here with Lucy uh, recording a podcast in, in English. English. <laughs> when thought. we are both French. Pour parler comme ça, juste voilà. But no, we're speaking in English, and that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. And have you met anyone with whom you're still in contact today? Yeah, yeah. So um, in 2016, I met uh, Ariana. She's an Italian girl from uh, Rome. And uh, yeah, we met and, you know, it was just like my English was very so-so. Her English was very so-so. But the connection was there. So we were just like just friends and we enjoyed so much spending time together, even though we couldn't understand each other, really. <laughs> But there was the connection that made us understand each other in a different way than with the language, verbal language. Yeah, and we are still in contact today. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And how did you two first talk to each other? Yes, yeah, so actually I interviewed in a restaurant where the principle was you have a trio and the team is going to determine if you are hired or no. Okay. So I first, I think the first thing I asked her was like a question, how do I cut the baguette like this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a, like a prêt or eat, something like this. So yeah, first time we spoke and she was working there with her best friend. And so I first spoke with her best friend who was Italian as well, but was a bit struggling in English. So when I tried to, the best friend, Then she came in the conversation. I think we started this way, and uh, it was just she was just like too funny, and we had so much love, and she's too lovely and nice. Um, Did you got the job? I got the job. Got the job <laughs> and a friend. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. Yeah. Um, I think I don't have any more questions, but maybe you have something that you want to add. No, about just like thank you. You see, it's very nice. Oh, thank you I so much for coming. Uh, yeah, no, thank you for uh, recording this podcast with me because I think it's amazing and that's important. Women, visibility, and supporting each other. And yeah, I think that's great. Thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming. And it was so interesting to hear you talking. Yeah, really enjoyed same. it. <laughs> so nice, so, so interesting. Yeah. As usual, the guests get the last word of the podcast, so the mic is yours. Protect your energy, my sis, and you're beautiful, and she's beautiful, and we are all beautiful, so yeah. Love each other, and protect each other, and protect your energy, and you first.